Switchblade springs into action. It's Amigos, episode 301. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Switchblade. Oh, you mean one of these? Bam. Look oh. at that. Oh, wow. That's I got a legit one, dude. One. Yeah. Now, when, when you were in high school, did you ever did you ever bring that to school to flash it around at your friends? I didn't have it in high school. This was a gift from a chick that I was sort of seeing, oh, a long time ago. And this is the kind of relationship we had. She would give me a Switchblade. So mm. I think I gave her some butterfly knives, so it worked out. No, oh, I'm surprised you didn't give her some throwing stars. Well, we both had those. Collection. Listen, yeah, you that's can, true. No. She might already had some. It wasn't. It wasn't love, but it was like mm. you don't get free. You don't get the personal collection. My throwing cards, all that stuff. That that's not going nowhere, man. Um, your glaive. That's oh uh, man. If I had a glaive, that if I gave a woman a glaive, that'd be the ultimate love, right there. <laughs> what anniversary? What your anniversary gift is that? <laughs> that's like the that one hundredth anniversary. You get a glaive. That's that would almost make it worth it. Yeah, yeah. Now, did you ever have in your possession a switchblade comb? Oh yeah, of course. For the, yeah. for the and you could take that one to school. Of course, we took this one. We took stuff like this to school all the time. Knives and stuff weren't as big a deal back when I was a kid. Like everyone had them. Like all the Cub Scouts had them. Boy Scouts had them. People took knives to school. People took throwing stars to school. Like no one cared. I mean, at mm -hmm. all. In fact, guns, they always said lock it in your trunk if you took one of those to school. That happened a bunch of times. Right. Now, was it right? No. And I don't necessarily feel comfortable with a bunch of knives and guns at the school, but I mean, no one got brutally stabbed or murdered. So I guess we got away with it. I remember seeing, I mean, I'm not that much younger than you. You but, got that uh, right. I, I do. Uh, I do remember people having knives, but the one kid I remember getting in trouble was when he when he brought out the butterfly knife and he was doing he was he was doing the thing that you do with a butterfly knife and the administration was not happy with that. So listen, that that instantly ups your cool guy cred if you could do mm -hmm. that. If you can go like, I mean, I've right. got one somewhere in the pad here. I don't have it handy, and I but I can sort of do it. But I mean, you, that is cool. That doesn't plus, seem like the sort of skill you want to be able to sort of do. Well. <laughs> Listen, I can sort of spin the chucks too, but with with exactly. hilarious results. You know, it's you're right. You're, I mean, you're dead on. It's not something you sort of want to do. But listen, when I was growing up, uh, the you know, because you had the ninja craze and all mm. that, all that stuff. Plus, you're out here in West Virginia. A lot of people had buck knives and stuff. And yeah. I, I, almost, I would guarantee you, most people's grandparents were always. My grandpa had a big old knife stuck in his mm -hmm. boot. Mm -hmm. And my dad always carries a big old knife, so that's just yeah. it's the way things are back in the day. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's, it was a different world back then. Yeah. Um, I remember getting my switchblade comb at Canon Park. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that's a carnival favorite. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I had that for many a year. Unfortunately, I've thrown all my combs away. My days as a comb owner are over. Yeah. Did you ever um, know anyone that took one of those combs and actually made a knife out of it? No. No, that was a, that you? was because you could you know the 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 comb part you could slide that out of there and what you've right. got effectively is a metal a part of a metal like a sheath and you could just sort of slide stuff in there if it was the right size. I saw a guy do that at school one time, huh. you know, because he, he wanted to be Joe Cool because he had right. an actual right. switchblade. But I mean that's lame. The switchblade probably take cold. like a take a Wendy's knife and slide it in there. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, he probably did cut up a butter knife or something and put it in there. You know, I mean, but the, the, the switchblade comb was like for people that wanted to look cool. And then there was just enough of a question is, is it a comb? Is it a knife? Mm-hmm. You can kind of get away with it. You can just I kind of felt go, that look. way whenever I would be a kid and I would find a store that sold root beer in a dark bottle. Yeah. <laughs> it was an IBC root mm-hmm. beer or whatever. IBC, yeah. that's right. And so I'd, like be, I'd, be, Dong, I'd be creepsing yeah. around the Hurricane Baseball League field kind of taking swigs and looking to my left, looking to my right, just to see who was watching. <laughs> like anyone cared. I was the yeah, same no. way. <laughs> Listen, we had those candy cigarettes. It was the exact same thing. Exactly. Some, of them you, some of them would actually blow the powder and sugar out the front. You can so still buy those like in certain places in West Virginia. Yeah, oh yeah. But I mean... Yeah. The, when the I was old... out the sage, I saw yeah. them all over the place. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, And what a great gift, by the way, yeah. for your... But uh, <laughs> your uh, you, the old ones that you could get, they looked just like cigarettes. They were, mm-hmm. I mean, they were the same color and everything. And then you could blow in them, and like the first puff you took would shoot like a fog of. It sugar. was like the, the Grand Moolah or whatever that wrestler was. Muta, was, Muta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, after that, the fun was over because you only got one puff out of a candy cigarette. And also, there's that. There's the slight incident that kids who get into candy cigarettes might get into real cigarettes, and then you that's got, true. That's you true. Know, I always thought a good the candy idea. cigarette was highly derivative of the classic bubble pipe. Yeah. You can't beat a good I, bubble pipe. Yeah, I mean, do, why don't they, if they have candy cigarettes, why don't they have, like, Kool-Aid in a booze bottle? You know, let's just go <laughs> well, ahead and go. Do. Let's go the uh, full route or some sort of gummy, like uh, a gummy doobie that you can give a kid. <laughs> why are we stopping here? They've got Tic Tacs that, that look like little pills. Well, you it's know, like we a joke whole about this, stuff. but in Colorado, there's tons and tons of kids that get sick all the time because their parents leave out edibles, which are now legal there, and the kids go to town thinking that they're just normal brownies or whatever. And we're living well, in the world. We're living in like, the present. I can tell you firsthand that if you grabbed a, a big, huge bushel of brownies that you thought were normal and they weren't, that could do major. That could cause you a major problem. I can tell you yeah. that firsthand. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. I feel like we've uh, we've wandered a field here from our chosen topic. What, we're not uh, talking about drugs for kids today? <laughs> Gummy Doobies Weekly is 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 the show after this one. Um instead we're gonna we're gonna dive right in, Aaron. It's been crazy because we you know, we were off last week for episode three hundred. Oh yeah. We didn't do a normal show. So the Ooh. news has been piling up. Yes, it let's has. go ahead and dive right into this week's Amiga News. <laughs> All right, Aaron, we're going to start here with a video from Doug, the 10-minute Amiga retrocast. He has a new video talking about a game that he actually purchased for us. He's a very generous guy, Doug. He bought Turbo Sprint for you and I. Uh, I have actually had a chance to uh, fire this up, but I've not watched Doug's review. Did you get a chance to watch this? This one's featuring his son, Daniel. Yeah, I did see. I just saw a little bit of this, but I mean, and I looked at some of the game footage. It looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I will say that there are still some, some weird sort of controller issues you've got to suss out. You have to... You, I had to unplug all of my devices from the emulator and then swap ports around. And even still, I felt like I still didn't have a handle on exactly what I was doing as far as the controls. But graphically, yeah. this game looks great. I mean, it's dead on with for the arcade version. And, uh, you know, there's the same, like, huge number of tracks that you always have. Of course, the four-player option. All that stuff is great. So uh, we thank Doug for, for playing this. And I'm sure you're going to play it real soon, Aaron. Yeah, I can't wait to try this. And I will say, I like Doug's kid's shirt. 
Good looking yeah. shirt. Good looking That's fella. Awesome shirt. Yeah, yeah, well done. He's getting right, in Aaron. a family business boat. I like that's, that. Well, I'm sure that that's that's the plan. That's the plan. Yeah. We're gonna have the uh, the five minute uh, Amiga retrocast starring Daniel, just the junior <laughs> version coming I soon. I love it. I love it. All right, Aaron. This is this is just gonna be one of many posts about all of the new sort of uh, accelerator news that's coming out. For oh the Amiga. man, you know, it's, there's never been a better time to buy a low cost accelerator for your Amiga. And we start with the Buffy. Now, uh, what's cool about this is that I guess uh, Stephen from the Terrible Fire Project, this is a very well-known accelerator maker. Oh, yeah. Is, uh, he's popular. announced that the uh, the Terrible Fire organization is going to somehow team up with the Buffy team. And this new card will allow the Buffy 68030 3.2 speed to pump up and work in any Amiga 1200. Very so nice. Yeah. It's going to add, you know, RAM, IDE support, DMA support. And Steven is going to be giving away a hundred of these to any registered Buffy owner. So, uh, pretty this good is, deal uh, there. You know, the, the Buffy project has been really going when we're, I'm reading this off the Amatopia website. If you guys, yeah. uh, this is a, one of the many great Amiga news websites out there. It looks like the very first batch of beta cards of the Buffy 512 RAM version have been shipped to interested people around the globe. So this thing is selling like hotcakes. Uh, it's going to be interesting as these things start to filter into the hands of the users. Uh, if it lives up to all the promises and if it's everything it's cracked up to be. And hopefully it will be, man. It's good to see Steven uh, come back into the fold. Right. after Because he, he, if we covered his... Uh, uh, his ceremonious exit uh, a while back where he had gotten fed up with some mm -hmm. uh, crappyola. So I'm yeah. glad to see him back in the game because the terrible fire, of course, is quite popular, as you know. Yes. yes. And the fact that he's working with the Buffy crew uh, and cranking up, this is nothing but good news. I like, you know, boy, as a cheapskate, we're living in my in a glorious present here for cheapo acceleration. And this looks and this thing looks solid. Everything I've heard about it says it's awesome. So it should be good stuff, Boaster. Absolutely. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that. Oh yeah. Up next, Aaron, uh, is a very exciting uh, software release. It is the 25th anniversary of probably my favorite point-and-click adventure game on the Amiga, Flight of the Amazon Queen. Uh, I loved everything about this. I thought the graphics were amazing. I thought the story was hilarious. Um, and, uh, and apparently lots of other people like this thing too, because they've brought it, it's back on steam right now, the 25th anniversary edition. Now, what does the 25th anniversary edition give you? Well, it gives you a new UI, new gameplay controls that were built from the ground up. You've got hotspot based, um, uh, pointing and clicking, you know, like, like you want in all modern adventure games. So you're not just clicking on every single uh, pixel acting, you know, making sure that you've, you found everything. Yeah. There's completely new game menus and a save load system. There's even uh, cloud sync uh, saving in this. Uh, you've got options for the different sorts of sound card emulation. Lots of awesome stuff included. And get this here, and this can be yours. It's on sale right now until May 24th. You can get this for a buck sixty nine. Holy smokes! Are you, have you already bought this boat? I'm going to buy it as soon as we're done. At the, oh, as soon as this show's over, and I can't pass this up, man. I sh I sh I'm the one that actually put for once. I got the scoop on something. I shared this on the news area because I knew I was like, this boat's got to know. And yeah. so, yeah, we both really dug this game. Came out of nowhere, as, as you know. And so it's good to see that it's getting it's back because this is one of those under the radar sort of games, I think. Mm -hmm. And so it's back. 
uh, and uh, it's uh, it's open to a whole new audience. And so I think that's outstanding. It's good to know that uh, uh, it's probably going to get a lot more attention, maybe more than it's ever gotten. So yeah. that's that. I think that's awesome. And that the price? Are you kidding me? You pick it Absolutely. up if you're into it. Okay. Uh, speaking of game news, we have a new found unfinished game that's been rediscovered for the Amiga 500. This is a game called Blork. I, I thought that said Bjork at first. You like, know, are you the kidding Amiga me? has got to be the king of horrible names for games. What? We don't like There's Blork? never been a system that's just that's just had so many awful names. I don't know if it's a maybe it's, it's something is lost in translation. But if you're calling your game Blork, change your name. That's <laughs> all on, I'm saying. It's Blork, Bode. Come on, get now, with it. This is a uh, sideways shooter. Uh, it actually it looks really really great. Very fast moving. Uh, lots of lots of different enemies and stuff. Oh looks man, like that a good, good power up system. Yeah. yeah uh, apparently, uh, this game was developed on a, as a first project on the Amiga 500 before the Amiga market began to disappear. So uh, this was uh, you know obviously as time sort of went on into the mid 90s people could read the writing on the roll in terms of where the Amiga was heading. And uh, it, I'm sure that this was not the only game that, that got halted in the midst of, of production. And so, is this but playable luckily, mode? This is, it's playable. There's a download link right on the Indie Retro News site. Oh. Uh, we thank Indie Retro News for once again getting the scoop on all of these events. Uh, and you've also got, of course, the Saberman <laughs> video to check out, too. Look at that. That, that actually looks real good, doesn't it, Boat? It looks great. It looks great. Oh, Maybe man. we'll get a chance to play that one. Yeah, day. Put, put it on the list, boys. Yeah. All right. Doug's back. Doug's pulling double duty on the Amiga News <laughs> segment this week. He has got the scoop on the Amiga OS 3.2 release. Yes. This is this is probably the biggest story of the week, I would say. People have been waiting for a long time for it's this uh, for this release, and it's finally happened. Now, Aaron, what can you tell us about 3.2? Well, listen, if you want the full, I can't tell you jack squat. I watched this video, and I'll, just watch this and let Doug tell you. Because Doug goes into uh into into vivid detail in this. I know there's a larger drive support, for example. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll give you a quick rundown of the new yeah. features. So there's you know you've got your usual plethora of updates and bug fixes. Um, some of the highlights include there's a reaction GUI toolkit integration. Uh, you've got an integrated help subsystem, so that that's actually really nice. So you don't have to refer to any sort of paper manual anymore. All the help is in there. Yeah. You've got improved tools, uh, utilities, and system applications. Uh, there's also hardware integration updates. So uh, you can actually use your mouse wheel to scroll through workbench windows. How crazy that's is great. that, Aaron? That, that's yeah. outstanding. Yeah, I, I yeah. do like that. Uh, and best of all, if you already upgraded your physical Kickstart ROMs to run 3.1.4, uh, they also work with 3.2. So you only need to buy the software. Oh, that's great news, Boat. Yeah, uh, I know yeah. that software is uh, is starting to spring up. I know pre-orders yeah, were in, out. In, in, in fact, uh, why don't we just dive right in, Aaron? Why don't you load up old RetroRewind.ca and we'll go ahead and, and, and do our plug for the new Amiga hardware and software pick of the week, Amiga OS 3.2. This thing is available for pre-order for the low, low price of $50, all the way at the bottom of the page. Or you can go that way, maybe. <laughs> Keep um, talking, I'll find see. it. Okay, uh, <laughs> so there's uh, you got basically fifty bucks gets you uh, unlimited licenses for Amigas that you own. Okay, <laughs> now in addition to buying the software, if you need to order a physical Kickstart ROM for each of your Amigas, you can do so. Uh, each one is ten dollars a piece, uh, and it's available for the five hundred all the way up through the four thousand T, the the CDTV, whatever. 
And then you can also, if you want the actual floppy disk set, instead of just getting the ADFs uh, through the email or, you know, through the purchase uh, in, in digital edition, you can actually order the physical uh, discs for $12. So uh, this is for all of the upgrades and features that you get out of this. I think this is well worth the purchase price. Uh, I mean, it's basically giving your classic Amiga a new lease on life in terms of usability. Yeah, uh, this comes to us, of course, from Hyperion Entertainment. And, uh, you know, you can order it from all the usual places, but we think you should order it from RetroRewind.ca because uh, they support this show. They're they're great, a great partner in the Amiga community. They really care about what's going on and uh, and all of their, uh, you know, all of their offerings are great. But guess what, fair listener, you can actually save some money ordering through Retro Rewind. Uh, if you use the promo code Amigos Spring Fun at checkout, you can save 10% off this or anything from the shop over at Retro Rewind. So make sure you use that promo code and uh, check out OS 3.2. It's probably going to be good. It's very exciting, Boat, uh, that they that this came out. I, I, now, I don't know about everyone else, but I didn't see it coming. I hadn't heard anything about this, to be honest with you. Maybe they kept it on the download. Maybe I just don't run in the right circles. I don't know. Uh, according to what uh, Frank's site here says, that this is going to be, it says right now it's pre in pre-order, expected shipping date June 14th. I've seen Frank's preparations. He's feverishly prepping to start cranking this thing out uh, as soon as it's available to sell. Uh, and I agree with you. If you're going to buy one, especially if you're in North America, uh, Retro Rewind is the way to go. And yeah. Frank just informed us next week, he says, so next week, it looks like it's going to be the time to, to ship. He says they're way ahead of well, schedule. That's the way to do it. You set the expectation low. You're like, yeah, it's going to be available in two to three years. And then the next day, you're like, ha, ah, just kidding. It's today. And there then everybody's hey, happy. It worked for the Sega Saturn, right? <laughs> right, right. What could go wrong? What could go yeah, wrong? Yeah, exactly. All right. I love it. We move on, Aaron. This is something that this is another. You've been the news hound this week, Aaron. Uh, because you, right. uh, you you pointed this out to me a little bit earlier today, the MSX2 Classic and NES Classic Metal Gear has been released for the Amiga 500. Now, as everybody who's into this franchise knows, the <laughs> MSX version is way, way better than the NES version of Metal Gear. There are lots of things I think were taken out because of space uh, requirements and things like that in the NES yeah. version. Um, so this is the version of the game that you want to play, the MSX version. And by that, I mean, you can actually now play it on the Amiga. So, uh, pretty awesome. This was a game that I played a lot. Uh, this is one of the games that my mom picked up at a yard sale and I just had, and I'd stick it in there every once in a while and play it. And uh, I never really got very far because I was never sure what to do. Uh, but I still had fun. You know, you walk around, you sneak around, you punch guys, you fall down pits, you die, you smoke cigarettes, you do all the things that tough guys do. You know, I'm reading this. And this really is, it's now listen, this is a big day because right now you're looking at the number one way to play Metal Gear, okay? Yeah. It's not the MSX2. If you read this here, this has been converted to run at full frame rate with no slowdowns, unlike the MSX2. It's also the uh, translations based on the European uh, translation, which is closer to the Japanese translation than the translation that got put on the NES. Oh, okay. Uh, and also, it's got enhanced sound options for the Amiga. So, this is uh, uh, a huge deal. Yeah. Uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta say, I think this is a Hoffman. It is Hoffman's uh, did this one. Uh, mm. uh, enough said. Yeah, so, he's man, got the touch. I, you know. <laughs> 
normally when these sorts of games come out, I'm like, hey, you know whatever. I actually played Metal Gear with my brother, believe it or not. We teamed up, both. Mm-hmm. A rare team up back in the day. <laughs> and uh, uh, and I like this game. I mean, it was. I thought it was kind of real different from the usual fare. So I'm excited, and I'm looking here at what, at what this requires. It says here it will run on any Amiga with 512 chip and a 512 other. So that's pretty much everything but a, a 1000. You're covered if you've got a little bit of extra memory. Uh, he's got all, man, he's got everything. They thought of everything, folks. So this is one you're going to want to pick up straight away. You can download it right now. It's ready It's ready to go, Boat. So uh, I would urge you to check. Like, I, something tells me, Boat, we're going to be covering this one sooner than later, my friend. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that'll be a Absolutely. lot of fun. That'll be an interesting, uh, interesting go. So there you go, Boat. Uh, all right. I'm excited about that one. Now, our next story comes from the one, the only uh, RMC, Neil, over in the cave. He, too, has taken a look at the Pi Storm. The Pi Storm has generated quite a buzz on the old internet community because of all of the, the things that it promises and uh, and at the, at the price point that, that really can't be beat. Um, Neil puts this thing through his paces. He basically, you know, he didn't have some of the same problems that Dan had, uh, with the, with the, uh, with the pie storm in terms of, of capabilities and things like that. Uh, he seemed like he had a, a, a pretty, a pretty nice time with it. Of course, you know, the, the speed is just incredible. Uh, you know, the, he was basically able to get in and out the door for under $50 or 50 pounds, you know, the price of the pie plus the price of the pie storm. So this is just another example of, you know, we're living in a golden age of, um, of, uh, low cost Amiga accelerators. There's a different solution out there for uh for every every amiga fan you just have to find the one that works for you i enjoyed uh neil's uh video of course i always do neil does a great job and i did ask him uh about the if about the stuff the problems that dan ran into dan also did a great video in pie storm and uh rmc told me that uh, he did not try he's got a go tech and not a, it doesn't have a proper floppy in there but mm. he says he didn't run any trouble but he hasn't tried lemons specifically, which is one of the things that Dan had trouble with. So uh, they're still room for testing. But the funny thing about Boy, it look, is... Look at that. Look at that Frontier 2. Oh, yeah. Of, that, it's I mean, funny. Everyone runs this. Yeah. Uh, but the funny thing is, this thing is being... Uh, the the Pi Storm is being updated so quickly that mm-hmm. it's going to be a uh, uh, in flux. And, I mean, you're going to see things develop that you uh, hadn't... That you uh, that weren't working before, so I have suspect that this will be uh, a, a very tight product very quickly because there is enough interest in it that the people that are working on it know that, and so right now they're really and you got to give these fellas credit. I, I'm not even sure to be honest with you. I feel embarrassed by this, but I don't exactly know who came up with the pie storm and who's working on it. Bo, do you have you ever heard who the people are that are? Behind I think that it? the pie storm is is like the Mister. I think it's I think it's an open source project that the development community just sort of glommed. There's a Discord channel and people. Yeah, are I know doing they're gonna, they're talking about putting it in other computers that have sixty eight thousand. Or I even heard even possibly in a, in a in a Mega Drive. You know, stuff like real bizarre stuff. So. The sky's the limit uh, for this sort of thing, uh, but it is exciting. Between this, the Buffy, and and the various vampires, the vampires got that new low end thing coming out too. So it will be interesting to see uh, uh, what these separate items can do. But uh, one thing they can do is save you some bucks right now. Yeah, because you can yeah. get in pretty cheap. And so, but yeah, Neil did a great job. He always does. 
Yeah. And that's going to do it for this week's roundup of Amiga News. Uh, why don't we move on down the line, Aaron, and talk a little about Switchblade. All right, man. The Switchblade. Now, Boat, as, this game has a really cool name. And, yeah. and so I'm sure at some point in my in my life I have played it, but I don't, I had no recollection of it. Had you ever given this one a spin? No, I you know I think that I've played Switchblade two a mm-hmm. long long time ago on on some random stream. I recall nothing about it, but uh, the Switchblade one I know I'd never played this one. Well, I had not played it, so this was my first go around with this one that I remember. I mean, if I had a cup of coffee with, it, I don't remember it. So Switchblade released in eighty nine. Uh, one disc, and this one came out from Core. Uh, Core, very famous, of course, mostly famous for their eventual work on the Tomb Raider series, but they worked on a lot of good Amiga stuff, including the Chuck Rocks, uh, Jag XJ220, and uh, Banshee, which was a very nice shooter, uh, among Rick Dangerous, a bunch of other stuff. Um, this one was coded by Simon Phelps, or Phipps, and he worked on a game that me and you covered a long time ago. Bub, remember Bubba and Sticks boat? Yeah, basically mm-hmm. <laughs> remember that. Uh, Dragonstone, Monty Python, and the Rick Dangerous games. Uh, so he worked on quite a few games. He pretty much this was his baby. The only other guy that worked on this was Ben Daglish, who wrote the uh, who did the sound the song for this game, and it is quite a song. Uh, but uh, well, you it, it better be because it plays. <laughs> If you go, if you go the music route, you're going to hear that song a lot. It. Yeah. So, what is this game, Boat? Because the, of course, this game you got to have uh, the wackiest of backstories, and this game has a, a, a kind of a nutty, another a nutty backstory. It's sort of based, um, I guess you would say, in the Japanese. The, everything I read said this was based on Japanese and Western pop culture, stuff like Akira. The, yeah, remember, I mean, this was obviously, we about you know, dystopian Ak- future stuff. You right. Know, Akira was big. People were looking to capitalize on it. On, on Have you it, seen Akira boat that, you know, that's not, that's not the type of film for me. Well, I mean, I'm not bad much. I, you know, that movie, that show, that comic series and, and movie gets a lot of uh, a praise mm-hmm. and I've seen it multiple times. And I actually, even saw the comics before they got turned into that. It was one that I never grasped fully and never enjoyed. In fact, yeah. I find watching a movie very disturbing. And so it's, yeah, but, I, but, but I don't somebody liked it. it. I do like anime, so, but not this one. Yeah. So Switchblade takes place in the post-apocalyptic future where the undercity in the cyber world of tracks has been submerged into chaos uh, and slaughtering with the awakening of Havoc, an evil entity from the 10,000-year-old imprisonment, once the sacred fire blade shattered into pieces and lost its power, along with the bl- death of the Black Knight's Order. This is directly from the, from the, from the manual. All right, you play Hero, you're, you're the last of the deceased Knight Order, and you go try to restore the blade and defeat Havoc. All right, sounds awesome, sort of. That's a lot going on there. But ultimately... What this really is, is a game where you play a dude that runs through an underground uh, maze, basically, an underground series of platforms, and tries to go all the way through. I mean, that's ultimately what it is. There's not, there's, this isn't a game where you're going to do a lot of, like, uh, uh, there's not a lot of gathering of stuff. This isn't like, there's not a lot of pickups. There are well, some. Well, also, not, you uh, can, It's basically survival. 
you can forget about the backstory because you're not going to well, interact with any characters. You're not going to talk <laughs> to anybody. You, all you're going to do is run through this subterranean area and, 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 and punch and kick and switchblade different monsters. That's the game. Yeah, that's the game. I mean, really, I would when, when you think about this game, if you want to boil it down, it's, it's basically a, a, a sort of a, a, a flip screen platformer where you try not to get killed on every screen. That's the mm-hmm. So it's pretty much like most flip screen platformers uh, uh, from, in the, from in the, Europe. In the fine Euro tradition, this is, is. this is another entry. Now, this one does have some wrinkles, okay? And the wrinkles are, and I will say, uh, I'm going to give this game its props, uh, at least here at the beginning. I find the uh, the map system, and, it's, and by that I mean there's not a map, but I find the way the levels lay out very interesting. Uh, it's it's the flip screen is done quite well uh, in terms of the of the layout of the building. There's a flow to it. There's a, there are secret areas that you can find. Uh, now that's pretty much as good as I can go on that because one of the right out of the gate one of the problems with this game is and uh, is it looks the same throughout. Once you start, you start on the surface. You go underground. You're underground for the rest of the game. And so, if you, I hope you like gray stones and girders because you're going to see those. I hope you like the color gray in general because you're going to be seeing gray stones, gray girders, gray enemies. You are the only thing that has any color in this game. Mm Mm-hmm. And an occasional explosion. That's about it. It's gray. Uh, Secondly, your guy Hero. Listen, I know you rag on Lionheart for his weapon use. Mm-hmm. But compared to Lion, I mean, this guy is 50,000 times worse and harder to control than the guy from Lionheart. Uh, yes, right out of the gate. True. The second I grabbed this game and I looked at it, I looked at it. I was like, okay, what am I playing here? My first thought was, how is this a 16 bit game? And my second thought was who thought this was a good way to move? This is the, this is the direction they decided to go with when moving hero. He looks like a geek, and he fights like a dork. This guy, if this guy is a last of a fallen Death Knight clan, that's why they're all dead. Because this guy's a goof. His strikes and stuff suck. Listen, the lemmings are better at hand to hand combat than this guy. Well, all right? I mean, He's should no we talk good. about should we talk about the uh, how the, the game actually does control? Because it is quite unique. Please, please go in. All right. So um, basically, you've got a power meter, okay? Not unlike when you're playing R-Type or, or a shooter. Like, Actually, I can, I can never remember if it's R-Type or Gradius. But um, you've got a power meter, and the longer you hold down the button, you, the more powerful your attack is. However, also the longer you hold down the button depends on the type of attack that you do. So a punch is just like a barely tapping of the button. Then a kick, a high kick, like a spinning sort of roundhouse kick, I guess, is sort of like when it's halfway up. And then the the the, the ultimate attack, they've decided to give the ultimate attack when you pump it all the way up is the old low leg sweep. Yeah. This guy is the only guy on earth whose ultimate attack is the low leg sweep. You know, fighting in this is like playing trombone. You've sort of got to guess at the position of the bar and hope that you're getting the right note. You know what I'm saying? And most of the time, it's, you're wrong. <laughs> so it is, it's, it is a lot like playing trumpet. <laughs> what did you think about I mean, when I first started playing this, it took me a while to even figure out what was going on. But the, the, the combat system is so weird. 
I mean, was it just me, it's, or did you? It, it's it's a it's a classic case of of somebody in a meeting saying, "Listen, I've got an idea for a new way to do combat. This is going to change the world. It's going to be great." And somebody gave him the green light, and he did it, and it was not a successful experiment. Well, let me let me tell you something. This is going to blow your mind. Okay, so si, let's talk about Simon uh, Phipps. Now, he amongst the other games he worked on were the Rick Dangerous games, which this guy has some Rick Dangerous rolled in there. Uh, but this was the first game he ever wrote. Okay. Uh, and he began, and he began, uh, for, for, on the ST, he began writing this game and he wrote it in his spare time. It's like, this wasn't, uh, this wasn't mandated by anybody. This is, this was the guy's vision. All right. Mm-hmm. And so while he was working on this, he worked on some other stuff, including the Rick Dangerous games. Okay. So this was a game that he worked on like in his off time while he was doing other stuff. Okay. And and so um, my guess is, Boat, that uh, that this was an attempt, and I'm going to give the guy credit, much like Lionheart. I hate to compare the two, but I will in this case. It was an attempt to be have an innovative combat system involving yeah. one button. It yeah. failed. It failed yeah. horribly. And I'll tell you why. The the fact that there's a trombone style combat system that and just the sheer stupidity of that should be obvious. But the big failure is. Hero as a character is too small. His kicks and punches are so compact and tiny that you have to let the enemy get right up on you to use them, or you have to be right up on them. And it, they they are uh, they just suck. They're well, they're hard to get off without my taking damage. Problem. Here's my big problem with this. What's the name of this right. game? Switchblade boat. Cool okay. name. Where the heck's the switchblade at? Why do you have to wait until you're midway through the first level, which is like 20 to 25 minutes if you don't die, before you even get a glimpse of the switchblade? Not having a projectile either right off the bat or very, very soon off the bat kills because once you start once you get that projectile the game becomes a lot easier and a lot more fun to play otherwise you're waiting the uh the bad guys in this game operate on what i like to call the kung fu master level of killing you in which they just sort of approach you rapidly and then hug you to death what I like um, is you're right because they will. What's what's the best thing is when you got one on each side, one's in front of you. And it looks like the other was just humping your back, and it's and the, <laughs> and the bad guys for the most part. Just there are so few bad guys, mm-hmm. which there's only like literally like maybe four bad guys and a couple bosses, and the bad guys are sort of like if you combined a snake guy with a with a fish head. That's what mm-hmm. you would get. They look dumb, and they they. When they move, they sort of pelvic thrust. You yeah, know what I'm saying? I, here's the thing. <laughs> Snake guy with the fish head, I don't think he looks dumb, but he's used in the absolute least cool way possible. Like, if you've got a snake head with, you know, this, the snake guy with the fish head, if he's coming at you, he needs to be firing fireballs out of his eyes. He needs to be doing something but just approaching you to give you a big old hug, you know? He doesn't even attack you. He just no, touches no, he you. Just, he gets he just, up he on just, you. Yeah, he just were, pelvics you. You were talking about... You're talking about love gravy. That that, should, that song would be more appropriate than the Daglish number because that's what it feels like. And the fact that what's funny about this game is you're right. They do a, attack sort of the Kung Fu Master style. They basically, they're coming up to get you. They can't mm-hmm. jump. They can't do anything. So if you're on a ledge above them, you'll get a herd of them just sitting there humping the ledge trying to get yeah, to you. And they'll if do you that have to go for the, through, until the end of time if you let them. That's right. If you have to go through, if let's say you're going the other way. They're up on the ledge and you've got to go past them. You're boned. You're got to jump over him and then turn around and hit him or just try to run away. Yeah. And you can now, get there are plenty of times where you just get surrounded by these things and it's all it is. The hump fest is on and you're just trying to hit and kick as fast as you can. 
the AI in, in this game is, I mean, this is the kind of AI that would be commonplace in an 8-bit game and we wouldn't say anything about it. You know, if this was if this was a Spectrum game. Well, okay, maybe we would, but we'd be easier on it. But when you get to 1989 and when you're developing on the freaking <laughs> Commodore Amiga, you need to have your bad yeah. guys do a little something other than just run into the wall when they can't get you. That's no you good. Also, you need more. You need more enemies. To, you need, this game needs more of everything. It needs more graphics for the for where you're at. It needs more enemies and putting some armor on a fish guy don't count. You got fish. <laughs> you got fish snakes, armored fish snakes, robotic little half guys that come around and, and like one other thing. There's hardly anything in it, you know. And then and then that gray that ever everlasting gray background yeah. now speaking Listen, of here's, everlasting here's what i want oh, go ahead. here's what i want out of a platformer yeah i want a variety of environments i want a variety of enemies and i want to feel like i'm in control of the character that i'm controlling yeah this game fails on all three counts it does like oh we haven't even talked about that jumping this guy jumps i mean <laughs> i mean it's it's like someone filled his pants with cement and said, go for it, pal. I mean, this guy's a death knight? Are you kidding me? That's This guy <laughs> sucks. He sucks as a character once again. Hero, not hardly. But what, spe- speaking of repetitive, this game opens with an awesome song. The Ben Daglish song. We, and we know Daglish is a talented, talented uh, yeah. uh, musician, programmer, the whole nine yards. And it's a good song. The problem is this game does the classic. I know you love this boat. You get a choice. You get a choice at the beginning of this game. Do you want sound effects or do you want music? Okay. Trust me. As much as you like that song, pick sound effects. You want the sound effects. I agree. Because that song is not very long and it loops and loops and it never and, and here's stops. The thing, you know, it never a, stops. It's okay to have a. It's not really okay. But let's say in a. It's like let's no. say it is okay to have a single music track in a game. Okay. Yes. What you want is you want to have a level system so you don't have to beat the whole game in one run. At some point, the music stops and another theme, a little congratulations, you pass level one. And then it cranks up again, but you get none of that. Did we mention that you have to beat this entire game in one sitting? Yeah. There is no saving. There are no level markers. There are no levels. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's no levels. There are there are quote unquote boss characters, which are just sort of like super monsters. Which, by the way, most of the time you have to cheese so to lame. beat. You, yeah, yeah they're, they're, I mean, so, and they, they take make forever. The, they, yeah, this these bosses make the hybris bosses look like freaking you know the the end boss on on some sort of like Castlevania game. Listen, these you're ragging on hybris, so and hybris is great. Hybris is a great yeah, game, but the guys, bosses are guys. not great. No, the bosses are fine. You just can't get far enough to see the good ones. But let me hit, so. don't compare hybrids to this. I, I'm insulted by that. Listen, the bosses suck in this. And when you look at this game and you look at it, you look at the hero, you look at the fighting system, and you think to yourself, what kind of boss would be in this game? That's what's in it. A lumbering yeah. idiot that goes back and forth or up and down, and he shoots spread shots, and you have to leap around like an idiot shoot whatever pathetic little crap weapon you've got to try to kill us and get to hit him three million times screw that that's not a boss that's just an irritant is what that is no good so let's summarize boat controls that stink check an idiotic hero that can't hurt anyone because he looks like a geek check repetitive enemies check the exact same backgrounds for every level because there are no levels check crap bosses check a never-ending song check what's that equal 
A big stinkeroo is what that equals, Boat. I'm giving this one my lowest rating ever. Two thumbs down. Stink. So I can't even go in. There's no reason to go any further. Did you find anything redeeming about this aside from the well, cool way that as, the map as, opens as I up? I was playing this, I thought to myself, it is very rare that we play a game with with no redeemable qualities whatsoever. Um, right. I will say that this is not the worst controlling game I've ever played in my life, but the combination of it's all the, all the factors. All of the things that are just horrible, like all of the worst things you could do in a platforming game are present in this game, except for the level design. You know, like you said, the, the rooms do have a flow. They, uh, they have that I, sort of fog of war where they kind yeah, of open and I up. like the way like in some games they only show you a little bit of the room because they're doing the old giant HUD routine. But in this game, that's not the yeah. case. I mean, they, they're, they're doing a fog of war type thing, which is cool, but that really makes no difference to the actual game you're playing at all. Yeah. Um, you know, whether you can see the whole part of the screen or not is really irrelevant to any part of the game. So I, of course, am going to give this also two thumbs down. I don't think it's completely irredeemable, but I do think that you have to have a healthy dose of nostalgia of playing this when you were a kid to get any sort of joy out of this whatsoever. Wrong. Irredeemable. Irredeemable. Completely <laughs> irredeemable. Here's what baffles me about this. So get this. Given what we've said about it, this thing got ported all over the place. Of course, the original mm -hmm. version on the ST, C64, the Spectrum got a, uh, uh, got a port of this sucker. Listen, this thing got stuck over on the Amstrad GX4000. Isn't that the, uh, isn't that the wacky console? Die. You know, uh, yeah. uh, baffling. And you know, here's one that really, I was looking through the wiki, and I saw, found a guy playing this video of this. Some goose... Actually ported this to modern systems to sell it. Yes, yes. You know? No, no. What? What was that? So well, get here's, this. here's the thing. Let me let me tell you a little bit about the Switchblade fan community out there. Okay. okay. Oh, well, I got to meet this guy. Okay. So you know, there there are these uh, Pico Interactive is this company that takes basically my personal take on this is they find the cheapest licenses they can find. Uh, yeah. that have any sort of fond remembrances of from the, the fan community. And they say, hey, we're bringing it back and we're putting it out on machines that didn't get it the first time. So what Pico did was they actually put this out on both the Mega Drive and the Jag, Aaron. If you think that Switchblade is awesome on the Amiga, try it out on the Jag. Oh, man. Now, I in, a, in addition to this, they also... Uh, put out some action figures for Switchblade. Okay, so here's the deal: <laughs> they wanted, they wanted. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find exactly how much they wanted. I know this, Aaron. They raised almost ten thousand dollars from this Kickstarter campaign. Okay, and it, it it was funded. However, it was funded in 2019. Guess yeah. what? Their last what? post, which was in 2019 says big announcement problem with action figure oh man so this the might have been one is, of the ones where people got screwed just calling this guy just the fact a hero could have an action figure is that is a, a that's impossible because he has little to no action in the game so they had yeah. to just make up poses for him to put it that first of all the fact that that got funded shows you that there's a sucker born every minute i watched the guy review the uh, updated version, like it was on the Genesis, and mm -hmm. it was so bugged that he had to just stop playing it. It was a mm -hmm. that was too bugged, and he he gave this the unbridled pfft, thumbs down too. And I thought to myself, "Listen, pal, 
unless you just bought this for review purposes, you should give yourself thumbs down for being dumb enough to buy it in the first place. Surely, have you not played it before? All the games that were made for the Jag and the and the, and the Genesis, and you go import this? Are you kidding? Sort of me? weird. Yeah. No, that's now, not. I'll the tell word you. I would I'll use. tell you the, the. I'll tell you the ultimate. Uh, a weird, crazy mind freak thing about this. This was developed by Core Design. I know. The same team <laughs> that brought you Tomb Raider. All kinds of great games. So I don't know if there was a major sea change in development at Core. Maybe they fired everybody on staff now, after now, Switchblade and we, they hired new guys. We covered a Core game a couple a month or two ago that was also a big dud. And I remember thinking, the same. remember we had the same conversation. It was either me and you or me and Brent, where I was like, wow, what was Core Smoke when they put this out? So guess what? It looks like Core, yeah, they did Tomb Raider, did some good stuff, but they also are very noteworthy of putting out garbage. So we're, yeah. there you go. Now, we mentioned that this got ported over for the Atari. For your edification, we've done a little port comparison here. Uh, so you can experience the beauty of this game on the Atari. And guess what? It is the exact same game. I mean, it is. there was nothing changed at all. It looks the same. It sounds the same. But I got to ask you, did you try playing this with just the sound effects on? Yeah. At yeah, all? Yeah. It, what did it you was think much about better. the... What did you think about the Bruce Lee Kung Fu style kiosks that were happening? Listen, you know, I have a feeling that by by the time they were adding in the sound effects, they knew what they were dealing with with this game. Yeah. And they were, well, you know, they, they, we've played a lot of action games where the sound effects just recently have just been horrible. And it's just people get these libraries of sound effects. They find, you know, what some random Kung Fu guy and they're like, yeah, that sounds like a karate chop. Let's put that in. So it's you know another what? example of why. You, you need to have good sound design, whether it's your sound effects or your music. You need to have things that complement each other. But as we've, you know, it's been proven time and time again, Amiga gamers were just not interested in, in you know, they didn't buy, and it's not that they weren't interested. They just, they didn't buy games based on the sound design. Maybe the title track, which we know from the Bitmap Brothers, the title track was everything. But the uh, the actual in-game sound, in-game sound effects, uh I don't think that people that wasn't number one on the list. You know, I I hate to beat a dead horse here, but I'm not done yet. Okay, I've read this everywhere when I was researching this game. All right, this this game was inspired from pop culture. Akira, Blade Runner, Bla Mad Max, the Wild Boys music video. I saw that cited a couple times. <laughs> of all things, that Duran Duran song. You know, post apocalyptic. Blah, blah, blah. What in this game, let's say you burnt the manual and you didn't watch the god-awful intro, right? What in this game screams post-apocalyptic anything? What in this game, where's the Wild Boys video influence? Where's the Akira influence? <laughs> what the hell are they talking about here is what I'm saying. There's, I have this a was feeling. Influenced I have a feeling. Paid. Yeah, I have a feeling that Core Design PR typed that up and sent that to all the media news outlets. Fips and they just co-founded Core Design. Do you realize that? He's not no. just some jabroni. He co-founded it, Boat. Yeah, yeah. You know, well. duh. Now, this was his first game. And listen, I I don't want to, you know, normally we don't kill a game. All right? I hate to kill a game. And I, I appreciate people that work on games. I know it's hard, okay? But I don't understand. And here's something else. We didn't even touch on this. You can pick up bonus letters throughout this game. What yeah. the hell's that doing in there? Again, this is this is a holdover. <laughs> this is a holdover from the eight bit mentality. You know, this guy. You know, he he made the Rick Dangerous games. He still was living 
in that world where you collect letters to spell words to get extra stuff. But I mean, has 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 bonus and extra ever appeared in a game in a weird in a more unusual and odd place than this? You're picking probably, up bonus. Yeah, that's weird. But again, you know, like I I really believe that this game because obviously this guy he he done games before. Um, the idea is is that you write a game that's easy to port to as many systems as possible because you know that half or more of everybody that plays this game is going to pirate it. So you need to make sure and spread out the ports to as many systems as you can to capture as many dollars as you can. Well, this so was his what's... first game, though. It's his, this no, he his made, first No, he game. made Rick Dangerous before this. No, he made it during this. That's what I was oh, saying. He was working okay. on this before he worked on anything else. You well, know, so I'm, I'm anyway, going to forgive him it, for that. It, it, if I was looking at it from the perspective of a developer in the 80s, especially in Europe, I would say, okay, I'm going to design a game that I know I can port pretty much note for note to any system that's available at the time. And that's basically what this is. If you fire up the ZX Spectrum version of Switchblade, it looks and plays and feels almost identical to the Amiga version. I mean, obviously, the Amiga version has more colors. And by more colors, I mean more shades of gray. Yeah, I was going to say more color. But <laughs> the, everything is there. The, the, the power meter is there. The extra, the bonus, all of that stuff is there. Well, listen, let's go over the reviews on this thing, Bode, because we've got some here. For, I looked at Lemon and the and the rest of the, uh, just because I'm dying. I was like, you know, this was released, or, you know, it's when the Amiga was still sort of rock and roll. And let's see how he did. Lemon, the people in Lemon, the fine folks, gave this a 7.27. Um, you know, Amiga Action, 80%. Amiga Computing, uh, 90 uh, that stuns me. Amiga format 85. Amiga Joker won't take any crap. 69 on this thing. Amiga Power 3 out of 5. And uh, the one... Here, check this out, Bo. The one... The one gave this a 5 out of 5, Boat. Anyway, average magazine rating, 81%. Now, was this... Here's the thing about this game. Was this game... As bad as the worst games we've ever played on this show. No. Okay, no. I've killed it. I've killed it. It's got it does tons wrong. All right. But it's a it is a somewhat playable game. But it just but is it a fun game? The answer is a resounding no. Did we get any discords on this? We did. Super Fama King writes, I was a big fan of this first time around and haven't played it in 30 years. Imagine my surprise when it still holds up well. I always love the faux anime style of the game, and the maze-like levels still prove a challenge now if a slightly frustrating one. The graphics are excellent, the sound is good too, and the controls are fine, although the punch move isn't always easiest to pull off. My old man skills must have deteriorated as I found the game a lot tougher than I remembered. As far as platforming action goes on the Amiga, this one will entertain newcomers and veterans alike. 7 out of 10. Who wrote that? Super Famicane. Okay. I just want to make sure. I want a mental note. Keep going. <laughs> Dave Velociraptor writes, If you hated Rick Dangerous because it was a memory game, then you may like this better. It's not perfect, but it's still very good. 8 out of 10. What? Did we review a different game? What? <laughs> and finally, Lord Soup writes, Wear your They Live glasses, not your rose-tinted Ray-Bans. Five out of ten. Back in the day, I loved this game, but it's super awkward now. I will say this, Aaron. I oh, will here say we this. go. Okay, I'm waiting. Go ahead. 
in the land of flip screen platformers, the one eyed hero is king. Uh, this is a game that you can play and get pretty far without having to spend insane amounts of time memorizing each screen. This is not one of those type of games. Now, wait a minute. I don't agree with that either. Because randomly spikes shoot up. All the opponents just appear well, here's the thing. right okay. in front of you. When randomly spikes show up, do you immediately die? Would you take a hit? What do about you the random have one spawning of enemies that you're... This game Listen. is much more forgiving than any of those games. And for that, I give it props because those type of games, maybe you like flip screen platformers, but you don't like feeling like death all the time. Okay. This could be the game for you. Like I enjoy this way more, way more than Jet Set Willie or Manic Miner. Like those no. type of games are the I they're the very they're the very core of everything I hate about video games. No, no, no. I don't agree with that. Listen, we covered a game where on Atari earlier that came out, I think, uh, five years prior to this, on Montezuma's Revenge. The uh, that game is so beyond this one; it's almost overwhelming. It's like it's almost as graphically good, and it yeah. crushes it everywhere else. Yeah, you know? okay, I mean, you're not it, wrong about that, but again, that's not the same kind of game as your Monty Mole or your uh, or well, your. You neither know, one of these games are like neither of the games are like that. All I'm saying is that, you know, in the in the world of flip screen platformers, you know, this you could do you could probably do worse than this. Listen, your your argument is stepping on attack hurts less than stepping on a nail. It still sucks. It still sucks. All right. Let's call a spade a spade here. It sucks. Spawning enemies right on top of you as you run through them. That stinks. That's it's having the spike trap crap that comes right out. Listen, this ain't Dragon's Lair, pal. It ain't Dragon's Lair. Dud. I can't imagine why anybody would have wanted to play this one. I will not play it again. Now, I've heard Switchblade 2 is better, and and so uh, that one I'll be willing to give a shot, but I am out of the Switchblade business unless you're talking about these bad boys that I'm always in. <laughs> All right, Aaron. We leave Switchblade now. Yeah, get the hell out of there. And we move on to other things. Why don't we check out what's been going on over in the old YouTube channel for the past couple weeks? Oh, my gosh, Boat. Are you kidding me? It's a, it's a cornucopia of good, of good stuff, Boat. So the last time we checked in was when we was way way back at two ninety nine. So we're just gonna breeze through some of this stuff. Uh, myself and and the Brent uh, did a very fun uh, ARG presents last week, and it was on management games, non sports related management games. Boat. Uh, we had a good time with this one, man, and uh, I really enjoyed it. We covered Aero Biz on the SNES, and we covered uh, Franchise on the Coco a game. I never heard of. Have, have you played that? that SNES game, surely you've played that, the uh, Aero no, Biz. Uh, I always heard that Aero Biz Supersonic was great, and I actually really? didn't even know that Aero Biz, playing Aero Biz was a game, but I never played either. I did try and fire it up briefly just to see if I could get in a review, but it's not a game that you just fire up briefly. You gotta no, it is not. In. No, it's not. Uh, Boat, we did a 1200XL episode a while back, and this time out, we looked at one of my perennial favorites, Archon, Boat. Yeah. Archon. Love this. So what were your thoughts on this one? Archon, a great melding of the action and strategy genre, probably the earliest example of a game that managed to do both well. Um, yeah. It's a it's a game that is just as fun now as it was back back in the day. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, this is one that I never ever played like growing great, up. So I, I was glad to check it out. Game. I'm surprised you ever played that because it was a real big deal uh, yeah, back in the yeah. day. Um, of course, uh, we'll be looking at uh, speed. 
coming up on our next R. Sinclair. And so Boat did a playthrough on it here, if you want to check that out. Um, huh. I did another, you know, I took one of our old, one of our uh, Friday night streams and just flipped it over. And this is even more Amiga games you've not heard of. This did pretty well, Boat. And I'll have to say, uh, there were a ton of Amiga games here that I'd never played before. And, I mean, this is some real oddball stuff this time out. I don't know if you got to check this out yet. I watched uh, some it, we of had this. A good time. Yeah, I, I always, I'm always thrilled at the, the things that you find in this game. In this, uh... Yeah, yeah. Well, usually the chat's just screaming stuff out. Let's, let's talk about our good buddy, Flack. Now again, this is this would have been from last week. Flag played random games. Actually, was uh, I watched some of the stream, and <laughs> when he says he played random games, he ain't kidding. <laughs> he played a bunch of crazy. I believe he just picked like uh, we know that game. That one's not yeah. random. That one's hero. But uh, Jack always has the good stuff uh, on this show. I love his streams. He and he always has little stories and stuff to go along. So I highly recommend checking out the Flagster on that one. Um, here we go. I believe this is a Hermsky joint. It is. And this is the Golden Apple Adventure E walkthrough on the ZX. And this is your, uh, this looks like another one of the text adventure go-throughs with the Hermsky. I like to put these on and just listen to them. And, and I'll sit back and, and read through them while he's playing. Very relaxing stuff. The Golden Apple boat. Yeah. So if you're into that sort of thing, give it a go. Hermsky is the master of the text game. There's no doubt about that. Plus, my God, he's beat a lot of these on on tape. You know, he's been doing a lot of these. Our good buddy Frodo. Here's one, Boat. This is... You're going to give Frodo credit. 24 different versions of Frogger on 20 systems. Which means a few systems had multiple copies of Frogger. This was at two and a half hours of Frogger. I love the name of this. Let's try to save Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> so I have not got to see this yet, but I, you can be darn sure I'm going to have to watch it because I love Frodo's stuff and I love Frogger. We were just talking about Frogger earlier because uh, Parker Brothers did a lot of Froggers. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, look at that. Look how fancy Boy, that, that looks is, Boat. Holy smoke. So that looks real nice. There's uh, When you've got 24 different versions of Frogger, you're going to see some crazy stuff. We're just trying to flip through the video here. And some some of them look good. Some of them look bad. And some of them, some of them look real bad. So I think that's the Cocoa got, version, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, it looks yeah. the color with palette. The, with or, the, yeah, with that, or the, that or the wonderful blood red road. <laughs> yeah, listen, you got you, it is what it is, Boat. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, I'm sure you joined us last week for our 300th Amiga. So if you'd like to go back and re-experience that. Uh, this past week on ARG, we did Animal Protagonist Boat. Uh, this is one, of course, you were just killing Monty on the Run, but we covered, I covered Monty on the Run for my Animal Protagonist. And actually, I really like this game. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it, and I like Monty as a character. I also like his, this guy knows how to jump, by the way. This is mm-hmm. a full front flip boat, and it's he's very a freaking mole. The ninja yeah. can't do that. No, it's it's not Roy. It's nothing like Dizzy. It's what's way more like. Uh, it's way more like Jet Set Willy, except I liked it way better. I'm just uh, talking about the, the jump. Br- Jet Set Willy doesn't. Oh yeah, yeah, any jumps. yeah, 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 yeah. Now the Brent got way out in left field and picked a lion for DOS. This is sort of an edutainment title boat that simulates life as a lion through various scenarios. There's all all sorts of on disc. Uh, uh, like uh, uh, documentary footage and uh, and like all sorts of facts. I learned this a lot was, about yeah, lions. This was when you know, this, this, was, this came out in '95. And if you look at the um, if you look at the box art, this is when the world was obsessed with white and purple. I have so much software from '95 that was uh, around that. It was when Windows. It was right before Windows '95. 
and Microsoft, all of their stuff was purple and white, all of their edutainment type stuff. And, uh, and this looks like something that I probably would have been given as a gift at some point, yeah. uh, you know, to play on the new computer. Cause this came out the same year that we finally got our first modern computer. Uh, yeah. and it, like, like you said on the show, you learned stuff about lions when you have played, you played it. this one, Boat? No, no, I've never played this and I've never played Wolf either. Yeah. Wolf was the predecessor to this. And I'd also played that one. I'd played that one more, but I mean, listen, is this thing going to, uh, reinvent the wheel? No, but I mean, in terms of a lion simulator, it's kind of neat. And if the Alliance affected by like the seasons and where the game is come and gone, you know, the dryness of the land, they put a lot of thought into it. I, you could actually play this and learn something. Like I could put the kid in front of this one. So mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, so if you're in the ARG presents, I think you might enjoy that one. Here's a crazy one, Boat. It's, it's a Coco show where me and you get together and play a little Springster, man. Yeah. This is a game you don't hear that much about, isn't it? I mean, I don't hear a whole lot about Springster, and it's kind of a, it's a, how would you this describe is, this? Yeah, to I would say that this is, mode? we've played, we've done 21 episodes. We just recorded episode 21 of the Coco Show. Yeah. And for like half of those, we inexplicably decided to do two games on each episode. Um, so we've done probably close to 40 games on the Coco. This is yeah. the most original game that I think we've done in terms of its mechanics. I mean, it's really unlike almost everything else out there. It's it it has its pluses and minuses. I like the game, but it's the kind of game where you're going to want to have the manual sitting right beside the desk so you can remember what all these different colors do. <laughs> That's what yeah. I had to do. I had to open up another monitor. But it really is. For anyone that thinks this looks like Crystal Castles or, or Marble Madness, it's nothing like either of those, and, and it's very much its own unique game. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, you're seeing something you haven't seen before, check out Springster on Coco show. We had a lot of fun with that one. And I, I was sort of pleasantly surprised on that one, Boat. I'll be honest with you. Uh, of course we've got the, uh, Patreon bands performance from, I believe this is from, uh, Amigos 300 here. Mm-hmm. If you want to go back and relive the magic and speaking of reliving the magic boat <laughs> by popular demand boat. And I mean that, I mean that sincerely people demanded. And so I, I, I'm the kind of person that will oblige the people. And so it is Boat of Cars musical gauntlet. This I love is the, the extended the I, I, the the thumbnail that you made for this. I have <laughs> yeah. no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I can tell you, blue. I knew I knew the thumbnail was going to be. Com- I was going to use that someday, but I had to find the right thing. Remember in the hook episode where you're crowing. Oh yes, that yes. is where that thumbnail is from. And I knew when I saw that, I'm like, well, I knew, I knew instantly before I before I even started making it. But this is a extended version of of the uh, <clears throat> highlight reel of boat singing from from the episode 300. So if you if you really want to test yourself, uh, you could set through this uh, this uh, long eight minutes. This is this has an additional like three minutes of. <laughs> Of audio. And trust me, the additional three minutes, it's all you singing. There are no bits in here. It's just extended versions of you singing. So if you want to pay the ultimate price, and it looks like a few people have taken up the challenge here. I, I know someone sat down. Here it is, Ricky DeRozier. He watched the whole video without pausing and the volume at max. There is your... There's, your, there's there, the bar. He's the ultimate rate. winner. He's he, the well, ultimate winner. is he? He was later checked into an insane asylum. <laughs> So if you want to if you want to check out Boat of Cards Musical Gauntlet, uh, it is available right now. And I'll probably I've got a couple extended blooper reels I'll probably put up at somewhere down the line. Now, Boat, you talked to me about this. I haven't got to watch this yet. Let, fill us in on this next video. 
amazing PDF dungeon crawler. What's a scoop so, for this boat? If you know anything about me, you know that I hate dungeon crawlers. That's true. And it, it comes down to the exact same complaints that I have about bad platformers. Uh, when I play a game, I want to experience a variety of settings. I want to see a variety of enemies. And I want to feel like I'm in control. When I play a game like Dungeon Master, I get none of those things. <laughs> I'm in a dark, yeah. dank, stupid dungeon. I've got all of these. I've got you, you're walking around the same quarters. Now, I will say Dungeon Master does have a variety of enemies, so I can't I can't totally bury Dungeon Master as much as I'd like to. Yeah, it's but, also awesome. But the, and then the, the control, because it's a weird mix of real time and pointing at buttons on a screen with your mouse. That's no good. I don't like that. This game I love. This is a game that is in it's it's a 200,000 page PDF. OK, yeah. so when you, quote unquote, run this game, you basically just launch the PDF and whatever PDF reader you want. OK, and the game is a series of links that that basically it turns it into a dungeon crawler type game. However, there are links like when you click on the link uh, to the music notes, it launches a web browser, which plays a song. So you actually have atmospheric music that's playing along while you while you play. Again, that's another big thing that I like having is having some real nice atmospheric music. And the last thing that I like is that there is a mo there's mapping in this. There's automatic mapping. So wherever you go, if you click on the little eye, you get the map. You also get a view of your person and whatever you're carrying and stuff. So a lot of uh, you know people that are really into dungeon crawlers probably won't think this is the greatest game ever because it is sort of on the simple side. But for a player like you can see, I accidentally scrolled <laughs> scrolled with the mouse and went to another page of the PDF. Um, it is I really really enjoyed my time with this, and this is one that I'm going to come back to. This is it's called Undying Dusk. Uh, it's available for the old name your own price on itch.io. Um, and uh, I, I can't recommend as somebody that hates dungeon crawlers. This is the type of game that would make me love dungeon crawlers. You know, this is, I've got to say, this is very clever in the boat. Someone yeah. effectively yeah. made a massive graphical choose your adventure and yeah, PDF. That's exactly what it is with hot links. And the fact that this thing has mapping tells you that I wonder how many screens, how many pages of this PDF are devoted to every conceivable position on the map. Mm -hmm. to keep that all i mean it's the mind boggles at the team that put this together it's one guy one guy really? did this. and yeah. the graphics and stuff I, I assume he rendered everything mm -hmm. it's very it's really it's it, it blows your mind doesn't it yeah because yeah. you it's could very easily, very I could impressive put this, yeah you could put this on like uh uh you could put this on like a uh a, uh, an Amiga or or an ST or something, and say, "Here's look at this new game," and people would buy it, and they wouldn't even mm -hmm. know, you know, because it looks it's a it's remarkable, it's truly yeah. remarkable. But I'd say yeah. that, that yeah, and Delamort and Olaf Hope are both talking about this is very similar to classic Mac games. Uh, the Mac used a development language called HyperCard, in which oh, you basically that's where uh, Mist you, sprung from, right? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, and it's it's the same sort of deal. It's the same sort of branching pathway <laughs> sort of deal. So this is a an evolution of that, I guess you uh -huh. could say. Uh, but yeah, Undying Dusk, check it out. Very, that's super duper clever. I can't tell you how impressed I am with that. So our buddy Flack and I did catch this uh, just the other night. Flack plays basketball. Uh, this because of course uh, fly, the NBA playoffs have begun. Well, they just had the play-ins, and the, and the playoffs are currently uh, going on. So Flack goes in and gets himself a little one-on-one -on -one action uh, before he goes down and plays some of this uh, uh, street. I think it's street sports basketball. 
I like this one because you actually pick your team. I remember mm. I'd forgotten about that. So from a bunch of kids, I will say Flack has an incredibly exciting game of one on one with a with a buzzer beater ending. <laughs> I won't spoil it for you, but it's very it's very exciting. Uh, this was a good time. Uh, I highly recommend you check this one out. I you know, it's funny. I believe, Aaron. You know, we've done three hundred one episodes of Amigos. I believe we've mm-hmm. only covered one basketball game in three hundred one episodes. We did TV sports, and yeah. I think that was it. Well, guess what? That's the only one you need to cover mm. because that's the ipso facto top of the heap when it comes to the Amiga mm. basketball. Here's one boat, and if you've uh, this will be familiar if you listen to our buddies over at Pixel Gaiden, uh, uh, Tim Drew. Uh, worked out a deal. He spun the wheel, he made a deal, and he made a deal with our buddy 48K. Ram, uh, the master Atari streamer, and what they've done here, Boat, is they actually swapped, International Amiga swapped, Boat, and ah. they've got them, they both actually opened their uh, uh, Amigas on camera. Uh, I believe, yes, it was. It was a Amiga 3000 that uh, 48K swapped to uh, Tim Drew, and, and Tim Drew swapped over a 1200 for Josh Malone, our AKA 48K Ram. Uh, this was also uh, taped for a segment on uh, on the uh, on their show, Pixel Guide In. So you can also mm-hmm. listen to it in the audio form. Good stuff. Hey, uh, we've got 48K in the room. You got that right. It's news, pal. Anytime there's an international Amiga swap, we're there. You know, and by God, <laughs> we're going to cover it. So there you go. Mm-hmm. I will say, 48K Ram had the proud pappy of a new Amiga 1200. I expect a lot more Amiga content on that Atari show, uh, 48K, <laughs> in the near future. So, good stuff there. Bo, would you swap a 1200 for a 3000? you think that's a good deal? Uh, if I got the 3000, yes. The 3000 oh, is the a, only a, Amiga that I'm even remotely in, in interested in owning. He says it's a he got a 1200 and a 500 plus. They doubled well, down. That, 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 makes, that makes more that's sense. That's a better deal. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a better, a better deal. deal. 500 plus. You don't see those around these parts too much, do you, Bo? No. No. Very good. So wacky, wacky antics going on. Here's another one from the Hermster. The Eye of Bane. Look at that. You know, these <laughs> games he plays have the coolest names. Yeah. This looks like a graphical uh, text adventure game here, Boat. I think. Well, it's got graphics. I think it's got limited graphics. At least there were there was a screenshot there. Although I'm failing to see any graphics. I think, I I think that might have been it. <laughs> they tri- oh, no, there's there's a little something there. Uh, at the very beginning, you get a little something there. I guess that's the loading screen. How clever! That's how they Enjoy get you. It while eh? it lasts. <laughs> Look at the Temple of Bane. If my if my acolytes built a temple that looked like that, we'd they'd be they'd be getting smited big time. That looks like a white castle. That they, yeah. I, mean, I was just going to say that. Who's worshiping in there? You know. So, but anyway, this is Hermsky back for some more. My gosh, Hermsky! I don't know where he digs these things up. I'm going to, you know, we should do, we haven't covered a text adventure for a long time, Boat. Really, I we only did like the one. You know, we those are, those are, are difficult th- to review because they normally take five to ten years to work through. Well, that's, we also aren't talented. So there's yes. that. Hermsky, I'm, I'm assuming he's probably beat most of these, wouldn't you say? Yeah. yeah well, he's and, he's got the gift, as we say. <laughs> anyways, again, if you want to go watch some hot text, text on text action, check out the Hermster playing Eye of Bane. Uh, boaster and lastly but not least let's talk about our good buddy the fraudster frodo nl this time out the first year oh i gotta watch this the first year of the sinclair zx81 
Now, I love the ZX81, and one of the benefits of having the old Mister is that you can it runs. In fact, the the ZX Next Core runs the runs all the ZX81 stuff perfectly, Bo. Never yeah. had a problem. And when me and the Brent covered the ZX81, I found quite a few games in there that were pretty good, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I thought there was some good stuff. Look, Bo, your favorite uh uh is loading through there but i mean i i thought they had i was surprised frankly how much good stuff much this in the same way the the i was surprised by the uh trs80 model one and three stuff uh they were making pretty good games even back in the earliest days weren't they both mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely and it's the zx81 is 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 very impressive just because it is such a low spec device it I is mean, it is it was about as, as low as you could get on the consumer front when it was released. But it was also as cheap as you can get. I yeah. believe that it retailed for less than 100 pounds. So. so one of the things I like about the, the Euro computers, that I mean, they really were uh, made at the, as cheaply as possible. And so when you look at them, they're just so, they just look so dinky. So mm-hmm. you don't expect them to be able to do anything, and when they do stuff, you're stunned. Right? You know, for God's sakes, they're doing that. That was doing 3D a minute ago. I mean, it's mm-hmm. quite amazing. And exactly. And goes through. This is three hours of the first year. So I bet he, God only knows what he uncovers in three hours' time on the first year of the ZX-A1. That's a must-watch, in my opinion. That is a must-watch right there. And Frodo knows how to do it up. So there you go. I think that takes care of us, Boat. I think we're caught up. Did you and the, did you and the Neilster get anything done in the last couple weeks? So we took last week off, uh, and uh, we actually talked about. Uh, but I think that uh, yeah, we didn't talk about this. If you uh, check out our latest episode, we talked about the return of Apogee. Aaron, do you remember Apogee from back in the day? I do. I do remember Apogee. They, they did a lot of games I would download on BBSs and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Today. So yeah. they were sort of the kings of shareware. Well, they've relaunched themselves as a publisher. Uh, and and they're they're open for business, and we discussed whether it was actually wise for people to even go to publishers anymore, since you can actually self-publish so easily and get your own name out there. Uh, so we talked about that. We talked about the uh, Super Potato, uh, one of the largest online or one of the largest retailers of uh, classic video games in Japan. That's the first story of the week. Uh, getting an online store on eBay, and we talked about just how, in general, prices on everything have gone through the roof. How so, expensive uh, that, is that online super potato? But did you guys look into that? Oh yeah, I mean that they, they want. I mean for stuff now. Keep in mind, I was back. I was in Japan last in like 2008, so it's been a while since I've been in Japan. But I remember getting games like sort of like common. Like I bought like a Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy Six. Uh, for the Super Nintendo Complete Inbox, I guarantee you I paid less than 10 bucks or, you know, 10,000, be a thousand yen a piece for them. Uh, and they want, you know, five times that now. Now, Super Potato is sort of famous for being, you know, expensive. So that that might have something to do with it. But anyway, then we also talked about the supersized Game Boy. This is a <laughs> the playable. Game, the Game uh, Man. It, it kind of <laughs> looks like a like a hardback book <laughs> that has been turned into a Game Boy. Yeah. Just sort of a wacky thing. Again. How do we, you know, we choose the stories that we talk about. They're the most upvoted stories on the This Week in Retro subreddit. So sometimes we get really, really wacky stuff like the game man. I like the game man. You could clearly beat a man to death with that thing. What size yeah. batteries that they take? Listen, <laughs> you probably need to hook it up to a car battery. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. Did you see the size of the battery holder on that? It was like, <laughs> it's to scale, that's for sure. Pretty yeah, wacky yeah. stuff there, Boat, I gotta say. But yeah, it looks Yeah, so good. anyway, we are uh, we are back on the charge. You can look for a new episode of This Week in Retro. It will actually be out by the time you hear this. It will debut tomorrow morning. 
Very good, Boat. Very good. Uh, I think that's all we've got video-wise, Boat. We ran through them there. Please, stop by our channel, Amigos Retro Gaming, on YouTube. Check us out. We're, like I said, we've got tons and tons of good stuff there. A lot of people providing some really solid, unique content, Boat. Absolutely. All right, Aaron. It's time. It's time for this week's thank yous. Okay, we're going to start with our Twitch subscribers. You can subscribe to the show on Twitch uh, at twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming. If you like to watch the show live, we do it every Friday around 5 o'clock. Uh, and uh, if you subscribe to Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch sub a month. You can give that to us, and it costs you nothing, and it helps benefit our channel financially. Uh, we want to thank all the fine folks that uh, subscribe to us on Twitch, including Macintosh Librarian, Mitsuyama, Pints and Amiga, Blue Jellyfish, Your 4077, Da Crabs MTG, Frodo NL, Chronosnet, Sigurdaburr, Tenmark, Arctic Cube, Negsol, R-Typer, Kizorni J, Peeplo, Scumboy, Retro Jerry, All Wrong, Jason Warns, Beach Bum 7, Uber Scuber Diver, Super Famiking, Jigglebox, Lord Soup, Jost 80, Chris Edwards, Restoration, Captain Chaos, DK, Amy Steph, The Slow Norris, Still Adolescing, Matt Dufort, Retro Rewind.ca, Amiga Live, Dave Velociraptor, JKDK, Buck Owens, Edvin Helland, John Marshall 3, Xplit Blop, Gary Heather. Thank you guys for subscribing to us on Twitch. You know, now, you, before you move on, I, you mentioned something in there, Chris Edwards. He actually put out a couple videos this week. And we didn't, I didn't get him in the news in time. But there's one that I thought you would enjoy, Boat. He drives like an eight-hour round trip to pick up an Amiga 1000, and he filmed the trip. Oh, it, wow. We've got, we got to talk about that one next week for sure. It is dopey. Yeah, so we'll get into that next week. But check those out. They're up now. Uh, and, of course... Uh, we want to thank uh, our uh, our one and only French Canadian representative Laurent Giroux for choosing Switchblade for us. Um, and last week's oh Patreon song challenge, Aaron, mm -hmm. uh, was every little thing she does is magic by yes. the Police. Uh, lots of correct responses, including Rob Flack O'Hara, number one with the bullet, Scumboy Hermsky, Dave Velociraptor. Duncan Styles, L. Curtis Boyle, Mitsuyama, Matthew Perron, Jigglebox, Pac Billy, Eric Nelson, Zorglub, Level Lord's Wife, Gary Heather, and R Typer. Level Lord's Wife got it. Level Lord's Wife got it. Well done, Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Lord. All right. And we want to welcome, we have some new supporters this week, Aaron. Uh, we want to welcome Matthew Mobius and the Phantom Magnus to Ooh. the Amigos They both family. have cool guy names, but I love Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, uh, here we go with the newest Patreon song. So if you know this song, send me an email at john at amigospodcast.com and I will announce you as the winner on next week's show. Here we go. Say, <laughs> 
had to say for yourself vote well it's funny somebody uh so, so some people in the chat were like why is he standing like that and if you know the song it was actually the uh that was actually lobsterminator's request that i sing it precisely in that way i have a feeling that the people that were asking about that are not familiar with this particular group maybe it's a little uh a little beyond them i think but, lobsterminators uh, it is some weird stuff but lobsterminator just... isn't this weird stuff he's he's freaky, he's freaky. <laughs> yeah there you go um but I want to thank the living legend, Graham W. Vebke and Lob Sternmater for joining yeah. me on that musical journey. Uh, and, of course, uh, I want to thank all the fine folks that have joined us in chat this evening. So, uh, let's see. Who do we have here with us here? We have quite a crowd. We've got, of course, Duncan Styles and Pixels at Dawn are with us. 
Tenmark, Amiga Live, Arnix 68, Atten, Barkbit, Bike Me, Bitstorm, Brock 101, Buck Owens, Canadian Retro Things, Cobrian, Commander Root, Cowbird Boy, Dave Velociraptor, Delamort 78, Edmund Helland, Ewar 4077, Efficacies, Frodo NL, Hermsky, Level Lord, Jason Warns, JKDK, Johnny Renegade, L. Curtis B, Leaf Kellon. I'm sorry, Leaf, I mispronounce your name every single time. Leif Kellon. Mitsuyama, Oram, Olav Hope, Picard 2010, RetroRewind.ca, Rob, Flack O'Hara, Tom Toms, TMX Twitcher, BNK, Vigoro Pros, X Blop, and Z9K9. Thank you guys so yeah, much man, big crowd for tonight. joining us in the chat. Yeah, thanks, y'all. All right. So, and it's funny. <laughs> I, I always enjoy the people that that don't know the song they're like that's the most obscure thing that i've ever heard and then the people that do they're like that's the easiest song i've ever heard it never fails yeah so yeah. i didn't know uh, it i will say that yeah it is i'm it, this this was not i will say this this was not a single this was an album cut but it was one of the biggest albums of the decade that it was released so um all right next week aaron we're out of the platforming realm and all we're right. in to the simulation realm. Normally that sends a shiver down my spine, but next week's game, Aaron, is Sim Freaking City. Wow. Sim it's amazing City, we haven't Aaron. covered that after all these episodes. I know. That's I know. Hermsky. Hermsky, thank you for suggesting this and saving us from some of those other titles that were a part of the AGSC selection process that were making my blood run cold with their complexity. So, uh, I don't Hermsky, know. Sim City's kind of complex, I think. I've I, I, I played a couple times and I was, didn't know what was going on. So well, maybe I could learn. Yeah. I learned Populous yeah. too. Maybe I can learn this. Yeah. I think you can. All right, guys. We will see you next week. Until then, adios. adios.